Hello again, everyone, and welcome to this week's Bible study podcast. This week, we're going to finish up our study in the book of Romans. This Sunday also marks the first time on campus that we're going to have a worship service since, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic began. And we all hope that things will will only get better as the summer months progress. So we need to be in prayer uh, for our church, for our services. There's just a lot of things to pray for. We need to pray for our leaders. Uh, we need to pray for President Trump and Governor Ivey. We also need to lift up Tony Picklesheimer, our mayor, uh, to the Lord, Pastor Tim, and all those that uh, have to make decisions that are most important. We also need to remember Gay Nell as she was in a car wreck this week. Uh, she's not seriously hurt, but uh, the car did run over her leg, and uh, she's okay, and the leg is not broken, but uh, we still need to remember her and others. I'd like for uh, you guys to remember Cindy, as on Tuesday she has a, a blood test coming up that's kind of important. We also need to remember Miss Pick and also Mary and Barry. Billy and Catherine. Uh, there's just so much to be thankful for and so much to pray for. So let's begin uh, with a word of prayer. To Heavenly Father, how thankful we are that we can indeed come to you through the blood of Christ. Father, approach your throne of grace. Father, that you hear our prayers. You teach us to pray. Father, you even teach us that oftentimes we have not because we ask not. So, Father, we recognize that. And so, Father, we come to you. We come to you in these trying days of this COVID-19 pandemic, Father, that uh, we are in uncharted waters and not knowing uh, what direction to go and what are the right things to do. So, Father, we just pray for our president, President Trump, and for those that surround him that give him advice. Father, we pray for our governor, Governor Ivey, and our mayor, Tony Picklesheimer. Father, that from a political, governmental perspective, that uh, the proper and best decisions would be made in accordance with your will and on our behalf. Father, we lift up Pastor Tim to you, that... Uh, in uh, concerns of our church, that as we continue to move forward and as we begin to have on-campus worship services, Lord, that uh, the proper decisions would be made there and that you would lead him. Father, we also are thankful for uh, uh, you protecting Gaynell in the accident that she had, and uh, things could have been much worse. But, Father, we do thank you that... Uh, uh, it was just her leg, and that it, even though it's still sore, Father, that uh, that the healing process would be well on the way. Father, I lift up my wife Cindy to you that uh, this upcoming blood test, that uh, it, everything will work out fine. And Lord, we tend uh, also to remember others in our class. We remember Miss Pitt, Lord, that uh, you would just bless her and Hoyt and, uh, and the things that uh, they're having to go through. And Father, uh, the same for uh, Barry and Mary uh, as they uh, cope with uh, Barry's situation as well as Billy and Catherine, Father. We're thankful for the good reports that we hear, Father, and that you're in charge. And we're thankful for all of that. But, Father, uh, time moves forward. <clears throat> and, Father, we still have those needs. 
And so we still ask you to provide for those needs. We're just so thankful for all that you do for us. For it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, as we begin today, uh, we want to look at Paul's conclusion in the book of Romans. Recall that in the book of Romans, Romans, uh, Paul has preached uh, salvation theology involving the law and grace. And he's also bridged from doctrine to practice. He said quite a lot, and he's also said quite a lot to two different groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. So for him to wind down and conclude uh, the book of Romans, it's, it's not going to be an easy task. So let's take a look at the last two chapters of the book of Romans, chapters 15 and 16. So as we begin in chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. We then that are strong ought to hear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification or building him up. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached you fell on me. Once again, Paul is addressing the strong and the weak in faith. And he's contrasting that and also states that we that are strong in the faith should continue to help those that are weak in the faith and not just let things slip by. The purpose is to edify each other in Christ's name. No one person is above any other person in the Lord. There's one Lord and one gospel. You know, it says that uh, Jesus did not boast of himself. And, uh, you know, can you imagine Jesus saying, hey, I'm Jesus. I'm the son of God. No, I can't even imagine that. He humbled himself and submitted himself to God and to for God's redemptive plan of salvation. And if we uh, continue in verse 4. For whatsoever things were aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience of comfort and the scriptures, might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ, according to Christ Jesus, that you may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God, without any reservations, what this is saying, that you, without any reservation, should glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The New Testament gospel is supported with Old Testament scripture, and that's what this is saying. And it points to and expresses the perfect will of God, and that as Christians, if we subscribe to the word of God, and the word of God does not contradict itself, then we as Christians should be like-minded. You can't have one set of Christians that are professing Christians that believe one thing and another set of professing Christians that believe something else. We understand that the uh, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, they don't contradict. So we should be like-minded and have the same theological thoughts and foundational principles. 
uh, like that that we talked about last week. Now, moving down to verse 14, we read, <clears throat> And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up to the or up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, what is Paul really saying here? Paul has not yet been to Rome, and he did not establish the Roman church. Yet he states that he is sure that many that are in that church are scripturally sound, knowledgeable, and are able to teach others. Throughout the book of Romans, Paul has been bold in his teachings. And this is coming from someone who has had no personal relationship with the church. But then he says in verse 15, nevertheless, nevertheless. Paul did not want the readers of this particular letter to the Romans to think that they were spiritually immature. To the contrary, he wanted them to consider themselves strong. Yet he also directed, and as he put it, uh, wanted to put unto you in some sort. Now this term some sort uh, was a Greek idiom. Uh, in today's world we might mean to uh, make some points or on some points. What are some points? They were theologically sound, had some uh, foundational thoughts that were okay, uh, but there were a few little things that Paul wanted to uh, help to put together. We can think about a uh, mortar and brick building. Uh, the brick buildings are pretty strong. The bricks are big, but it takes a little mortar uh, to not only uh, make everything fit together, but it also looks together. So you see, all of us, regardless of our spiritual strength, are supposed to continually grow, regardless of how strong we might be. And if we are not careful, as we discussed last week, even professing Christians can be stumbling blocks instead of building blocks. Now, Paul uses the word minister here, and he uses it in verse 8, 16, 25, and 27. He uses this word minister, or at least the English word minister, but the Greek words are actually different. In verses 8 and 25, the Greek word here is diakonia, which we expand to mean uh, diakonos, which of course we get the word deacon from. And of course that diakonos or diakonia uh, simply means to be a servant, to do errands. You just run errands. And if we look at verse 8, now I say that Jesus was a minister 
of the circumcision for the truth of God. Basically, he's talking about, uh, of course, he came from the Jews, and the salvation was derived by the Jews. We discussed that previously. So uh, here, in verse 8, this minister that, G that uh, Paul is talking about by Jesus, uh, this word is diaconia, that he was a servant, that he did the bidding of the Heavenly Father. And then if we skip to verse 25, Paul talking about himself, relating himself to Jesus, but now I go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. And so here in verse 25, Paul uses that same word, diaconium, which means he's going to be a servant. Now we remember he's taken up a collection, and the reason he's having to go or wanting to go back to Jerusalem at this time is to take this offering that he's collected. So he's not going to go back to Jerusalem and minister and be some priest and teach some uh, grandiose theological foundational thoughts or anything like that. He's just going to go back and serve the people by taking monies and helping to identify those that uh, need this money. But if we look at, uh, and we'll get to it a little bit later on, but if we look at, at verses 16 and 27, uh, that there's another word. Uh, it's not diakonos, but we'll uh, look at that as we look in verse 16. Verse 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable. So here in verse 16, uh, the English word minister here, the Greek word that Paul is using is liturgio. Liturgio. And this meaning is more like a public servant, uh, more like a priest. And a priest has been appointed specifically to do specific things for a specific group of people. For instance, like the Jewish priests were appointed you know, through the Levites uh, to serve as public priests for uh, the nation of Israel. And so here Paul was using himself, uh, he's ministering to the Gentiles. Originally he wanted to, and he did, uh, preach to the Jews, but like Jesus, they rejected uh, the teachings of Paul. And so Paul then turned his message toward the Gentile. So therefore Paul was likening himself kind of like a priest. Not to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And so he uses term minister, uh, liturgio, which uh, is a public servant. And I would think that uh, Paul is also thinking about and saying that he's similar to a priest having been sanctified by Christ. And I'm sure he remembered his road to Damascus experience. And so now he's specifically focusing and preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, whether Jews or Gentiles, they all knew about offering sacrifices. And so when we look at this latter part of verse 16, offering up the Gentiles that might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So regardless of whether or not you were a Jew or a Gentile, you understand about sacrificing. 
uh, sacrificing animals or the sacrifices uh, that were to be set apart and offered. Well, think of it like this. Uh, what honor and glory is presented to Jesus? You know, we think about Jesus as the Son of God. But why is it in the book of the Revelation he is the only one worthy to open the book? Why would Jesus be worthy enough to be set apart as a sacrifice for mankind, willing and able to take away our sins and give us everlasting life? Can you imagine the honor that's, that was bestowed upon anyone? in this case Jesus, but can you imagine the honor of being the, the one to take away the sins of the world? As if you remember, as John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So uh, Jesus was lifted up, sanctified, and honored. Well, not in the exact same sense, but in a similar fashion, what an honor it is for us, you and me, to be set apart for the ministering or to do the bidding of Christ. Yes, we were once sinners bound for an eternal hell and damnation, but God loved us enough to give himself for us. But as if that's not enough, what an honor that is bestowed upon us to continue to do God's bidding through the Holy Spirit. Us, you, me, me, as dumb and stupid as I am, God still chose me and saved me, and God added to that. He gives each of us specific talents and abilities and places us in certain specific situations to be able to do specific tasks for God's bidding. He entrusted Jesus to serve and be a sacrifice. And in a similar fashion, he entrusts each of us to do and to continue to spread and teach the gospel of Christ, ministering not just as a lowly servant doing the bidding of a master, but literally as a priest serving a specific people, those that know not the Lord. Let's look at verse 17. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God, for I will dare not speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Though mighty signs and wonder are through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about through Helicum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But it is written, and this is taken from Isaiah uh, 52, 15. Paul is quoting here. To whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they have not heard, shall understand. So Paul, using himself as an example to encourage and lift up his readers, not to boast, not to boast of himself, but to rejoice and give glory to Christ and boast in him. 
How does it make you feel to know that God specifically called you to do some of the things that you do for him? He called you to do something, something. He called me to do something, something. But he did call you to do thus and such. And, and what an honor that is that God picked you. And Paul, Paul mentions that he had served God and has preached from Jerusalem all the way through Illyricum and uh, this uh, Illyricum. I guess I get it pronounced correctly. Illyricum. Illyricum. Now, Illyricum uh, is the area that is on the other side of the, of the sea. It, it's east of Italy. Uh, it's made up of what we call Albania, Bosnia, and Croatia today. But what Paul is saying here is, you know, I was I preached everywhere east of the Mississippi. Basically what he's saying. I've been in all of these areas. And I've been honored and privileged to have preached in all of these areas. So as Paul begins to wind down, he's also infusing into his theology vindication for writing to a church that he's never visited. He has the right, he feels like, to be able to write such a letter. But he does hope to visit Rome. If we continue on, we're running short on time here. For which cause also I have been much hindered coming to you, but now, having no more places in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whensoever I take my journey to Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. So he, he's got to go to Jerusalem first to do that ministering part that he talked about. But his plans are to, when he finishes there, He's going to go to Spain and, of course, pass through Jerusalem. But if we look at verse 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. And that my service, which I have in Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. You see, Paul is asking for their prayers, believing that there would be Jews there in Jerusalem that would seek to harm him when he got back to Jerusalem. But we need to understand that the basic foundation of this refusing to accept Paul was not just of the Jews, but it really is of Satan. Paul is writing this book to the book of Romans in about 57 A.D. or so. He later, in 61 or 62 A.D., wrote the book of Ephesus, or the letter of Ephesus, where in Ephesus 6.12, he mentions that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, flesh and blood, but actually against Satan. And so today, even in politics, we wrestle not against people people that have different philosophies of, of us, but we really wrestle against the very wiles of Satan. We stand against those who promote ungodly behavior and theology. So as Paul had to do, we have to do, and that is let the moral compass point toward God. You know we use the term moral compass 
like it points to morality or something good or something like that, but that's really not the case. A compass always points to magnetic north, so that when we see the compass point to magnetic north, we know where north is. And then after that, we know where east, south, and west are. When our moral compass points to God and God alone, we know the direction of God. And then from that, we know what direction to take. Now, moving quickly into chapter 16, Paul is going to do a lot of name dropping here. And I think in summary, we can go through all of these names, but in summary, although Paul's letter is addressed to the many that are there in the church of Rome, Paul is going to name some certain church members and others just to let people know that Paul knows, I know, that you have names. That we are not just a mass of people, but God knows us by name. You remember Jesus and talking about the Good Shepherd, that we're not just a mass of people. He knows us by name. And then if we look at verse 16, that's all, that's always been a fun verse to read. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. So I, I guess certainly in this day and age, we better not salute each other with a holy kiss. But understand that, uh, you know, a kiss is the height of an intimate affection. And also realize that it was with a kiss from Judas that Jesus was betrayed. The early church, especially the Eastern Orthodox Church, practiced this holy kiss. But through the years, uh, this practice has all but but stopped. But looking at verses 17 through 19, we quickly read, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple or innocent. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. So Paul again mentions that there are those that are strong and those that are weak. And it's actually uh, upon those that are strong to make sure that we do not create and become stumbling blocks for those that are weak. And then as he finishes out in verse 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Paul reminds us of what God said in Genesis 3.15, that Satan will indeed be ultimately defeated through Jesus Christ. But then we read in verses 26 and 27, But now is made manifest, and by scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only, wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Satan will be defeated, but until then, now is our time to be made manifest in which we live, 
in which we have much to do, and that whatever is done, may God receive the glory. And as, uh, you know, Alan Kirkendall would say, Amen and Amen. <laughs>